0: Welcome to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Network where we believe that the best way to understand yourself and others is through the media you care about. I am Link and I am joined by my co-hosts Lara and Mark and our very special guest, Mary. Um, this week we are going to be doing a, an extra special episode. Uh, we recently had the second annual Tags Summit. Tag Summit. The. <laughs> therapeutic... Tag, <laughs> summit. Tags. The summit of which Tags
1: was. was applied <laughs> yeah.
0: Geek and Gaming Summit. Online conference, which you can buy uh, media passes to catch um, the first one from 2021 and soon the recordings from. Uh, The second tags will be up, and um, you can even buy your passes for tags 2023 if you're feeling very proactive. Um, But yeah, Mary and I were going to present at TAGS and through a series of unfortunate events, did not. And so we were like, you know what? It's time to be pirates and take over GT Radio and do what we want to do, which is talk about death mechanics in games. And that's video games and board games and TTRPGs because all the games are delicious. And death is everywhere all of the time
2: (laughs) mark and i are here just to look pretty even Mm -hmm. though (laughs) listeners can't see
0: us um i i hope that you will join in Um, oh of course of course (laughs) you have insightful things to say uh but yeah that's that's basically what we're gonna do tonight um i guess to start us off um i Love talking about death. I've talked about death on this podcast several times um, and in real life incessantly. And uh, (laughs) uh, I think it's really important that we talk about. I come from um, the death positive background. Uh, For those of you who don't know, that was started by Caitlin Doty, who is a mortician and YouTube person. (laughs) Uh um, phenomena. <laughs> <laughs> phenomena. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, uh, her her YouTube channel is Ask a Mortician. Highly recommend. There's lots of very cool videos, informative stuff, funny jokes. Um but yes, basically the idea being uh, in death positivity is that like sex positivity, this is a part of life that has a lot of stigma attached to it, and we tend to avoid talking about it when we really should be talking about it um, because it's natural, it's normal, it's going to happen to you, to you, to you. Um, so uh, I I love getting the opportunity to talk about stuff like this. Um, Mary, would you like to give a little bit of your death background? <laughs>
3: Yes. Well, first of all, every time I've tried to do this uh, presentation talk thing, life has tried to take me out. (laughs) But not this time. We're here now. It's third time is a charm, apparently.
2: Fighting against death right there. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
3: Now it's just trying to take my wife out. No (laughs) big (laughs) deal. So, Okay. Who am I? I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and uh, so I work a lot with grief and queer community and all sorts of everything. Um, I am also a death doula. Well, I'm trained as a death doula, and a lot of people aren't quite familiar with that term yet. It's very much a part of the death positivity movement, um, and and it it's getting more popular. But basically, death doulas, just as birth doulas, help life come into the world. We help guide life into their next world. Basically, uh, like like I help uh, people with their last wishes and arranging everything and all sorts of things that we never even think about when we're dying um, or having a loved one uh, who is dying. And I often talk about like myself as a, a dying person, cause I was uh, born with a terminal illness <laughs> and uh, it's not terminal anymore. Um, it's chronic and I'm alive and I will not be someday just as All of us will not be Um, and the cool part in both of the jobs that I do I also get to use games and when I'm more in a, a death role I do some like what I call grief gaming and yeah so we get
0: to talk more about that today yes I am very excited um, I am coming more from the video game side of things. That's what I have more familiarity with, but uh, we did also do some research on uh, some TTRPGs and stuff like that that we'll, we will touch on. Um, where, where do you want where, where do you guys want to start? I, I guess I'm- I guess we can start with defining what I mean by death mechanics in in games. Um, Basically, mechanics are the ways that players interact with a game. Um, That is like the rules. Obviously, the most base level there is it is the rules. Um, It is also the way that players understand the rules. So it's a little bit more gray area around there. Um, It can also include like when we're talking about TTRBGs, you can have homebrew, where you're making up your own set of uh, constraints and and goals and stuff. Um, And so basically it's the ways that we engage with the game and more specifically the way that death is a part of that engagement with the game. In most games, uh, death is just a fail state. It just means you have lost. Um, Sometimes in in video games, it's often like you reload so you get another chance. Older video games used lives as a way to uh, have a failure state in early video game history. Um, it was used, death was used both as a shorthand for like to, to get people to understand is like this, is you lost, like you died. Um, but also, <laughs> arcade games are about making money, so the more that you die, the more that you put more coins in uh, to keep playing. And that very much popularized the the verbiage of using death and dying in games, even though they weren't realistic uh, examples of death and dying. Um, in TTRPGs, that's also still very common. Board games, like death is just it's a fail state. Um But there are lots of examples, and there are more every year, which I love, of games that are engaging with the idea of death and dying in more interesting ways, more realistic ways. Um, I think I will start with a a very on-the-nose example, um, and that is A Mortician's Tale, which is a video game that came out in, I want to say, 2017 by Laundry Bear Games. It is a game... Uh, that is loosely based off of Caitlin Doty's first book, um, and which is autobiographical. Uh, so it's really about her life. It's you play as um, Charlie, who is a young mortician starting at a uh, mortuary. Um, <laughs> and in the game, what you are doing it like the mechanics of the game is you uh, move around in a room and you engage with a computer where you get to read some emails and then you engage with the body where you prepare it for uh, a funeral, either through embalming or cremation. And then after finishing that part, you go into um, the funeral home presentation room the funeral room and you get to uh, listen to the family talk and it shows a bunch of different ways that people engage with grief um it shows people you know crying it shows people who are like worried about what's going to happen next because you know you don't have a will from that person and so whoever the next of kin is has to just sort of guess what what that person, the decedent, would have wanted. It shows people who um, are laughing and joking. It shows people who are like, man, I'm just like really hungry. Can we (laughs) we get some fast food after this? Um, And I think that that's like such a cool game because obviously it shows all these different types of uh, grief experiences, which I think is really important. It talks about uh, more of the industry side, wherein a lot of um, private family-owned funeral homes uh, get bought out by big industry corporations um, who keep the name and everything the same, so that you still you think it's a, a small little private thing, but it's it's a mega core. Um, uh But most importantly, in the game, uh, when you are performing the embalming and the cremation, like you actually get to see the step-by-step process of what that looks like. Now, the graphics of the game are. Pastel purples and blues, and it's not super realistic, but the steps of the process are realistic, um, which I think is so important because it gives people an opportunity to actually learn about this stuff. Because a lot of the times, we don't feel comfortable asking, or we don't have a person to ask, um, and it can be <laughs> in the moment of actually encountering that in, in your own real life. Like you don't want to ask a question like, "Hey." What'd you do to that corpse? It's like that's that's grandma. Can you not? Can you not <laughs> ask that right now? Um, shut up. Uh, but yeah, I think this game is a, a great intro into um, learning about that stuff,
2: and it uh, gives people like the the way the graphics are in the game. It gives people is an accessibility point where people who are going to get grossed out don't have to be as grossed out by Absolutely. It and can. And can ask those questions it's not csi like level realism or whatever some people get grossed out by that so um
0: that's pretty cool it is
3: yeah, that's exactly what i was thinking Laura. is it's it's so much more accessible to everyone because they don't have to worry about too much they don't want to see Mm-hmm. exactly This is a super great game. I actually get like a lot of people who uh, um, ask about what happens or just have no idea about anything at all about the process. And then, you know, someone in the family is dying and um, I do my best to give them a space to talk about, you know, and explore any of those questions that you wouldn't usually ask in front of most people like oh what happened to that corpse (laughs) what's going to happen and this provides like a a different format which i really love Uh, and it it allows a little bit of separation because of the cartoony type of feel uh so we can still go through it together or they can even just do it on their own and talk to me about it um and they get the education and the knowledge that they want. And for some people that helps them move forward and move through that in a very difficult time.
0: Yes. Um, It's reminds me of immediately swerving out of games, uh, The Haunting of Hill House. In one of the early episodes of that season, um, and I'm forgetting the character's name, but she is a, a funeral director mortician, and she talks through the process of preparing a body for a showing, and I thought that that was um, done well in that they showed that it is, it is a process. Somebody, somebody is doing that job of dressing up the body and preparing it and making it look not alive but more lifelike um but it was also like you know obviously not a real corpse on the table in that tv show Mm -hmm. but uh (laughs) it was a, a little bit more intense because it was more realistic looking and i think that that's one of the ways that a mortician's tale really is very powerful is that it is um it is soft and cartoony and that does, that gives the space for us to engage with it without it being um, scary because <laughs> Haunting of Hill House is a horror show. So <laughs> it oh likes yeah, to be scary out of me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that man.
3: explains why I haven't seen it. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. It's, spooky it's shows, a, not it. for me. <laughs>
2: mm. Mm. Link will eat all the, all the spooky shows up. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> me too.
0: Um, Okay, do we want to talk about uh, a TTRPG example?
3: Yeah, we definitely can. So, what is the best one? Uh, Well, it kind of makes a little bit of sense to talk about Rest in Pieces. Uh, So, (laughs) this is an interesting game. It was very recently released um, like around 2021 and uh, it it's the type of game where you have a Jenga tower and it's like a card-based game as well and basically you're death roommate and so the, the Grim Reaper is your roommate <laughs> and it goes through like bad days and difficult friendships and so um it allows me a lot to talk about, like, how would you have this hard conversation um, in a way that's not as directly talking about death itself. It's like taking it as a theme and then talking about some other things in different ways. Uh, it, one of the quotes on the, on the manual says, death is all about happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> and they have some like really cool little cards i i feel like it was done so creatively they have a, a card that represents death uh which was the grim reaper and it, it describes the grim reaper as a millennial obsessive and possessive <laughs> so like i mean if, if death is coming for you Sorry, but in this game, death is going to get you. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of different examples of the different types of cards, uh, but basically it uses humor and you can process a lot of different types of themes with this particular game. Friendships, grief, just living with someone. I'm thinking of maybe using this for transitional age youth. Like we're gonna move in with roommates, not really related to death, but I think it's <laughs> cool that it's all all related. Um, and it also involves a narrator. They call they call the the GM a narrator in this one, and the narrator puts pressure on the players to make their days as hard as they can be. <laughs> and I think that's a a great reflection of what it's like to go through, uh, death, dying and grieving. Uh, It often feels like life is, and death are just giving us the hardest things that could, could we could possibly imagine. And sometimes we don't know how we're going to make it through and we do so.
0: I think having the aspect of the the Jenga tower is really fun. Fun and flirty. Uh, (laughs) I think it's great because... Anybody who's played Jenga before, like, you know, at some point, that tower is coming down. There's some anxiety there. There yeah, is. Yes. Yes. We're gonna oh, yeah, we're going to fall? There <laughs> is. Will I cause it? Will it be my fault? Will I just have to sit there and witness it happen before me? Gosh, that sounds very similar to something else. Death. Dying. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's like. <laughs> it's just, you, you know, like, you just living life is you're going to keep pulling those pieces out of the tower and eventually it, it will topple. Um, I think that that is such a, a fun way to sort of analogize, metaphoricalize death and dying in a game mechanic is incorporating this game that a lot of people are very familiar with um, and just adding in the extra comedy layers of the, the cards and everything um death is a roommate i think is very funny to me (laughs) yeah Uh, Yeah. the jenga tower
2: is a mechanic in a lot of like solo rpgs to help you kind of figure out when your fail state is or when the game is going to end it's not always a fail state but um yeah good way to know when things are going (laughs) to end right (laughs)
1: I definitely have to say that's the first time I've ever heard Jenga being utilized in a way to uh think of death. And honestly I'm here for it. That's <laughs> actually that's something that's actually something really cool. I never really thought about it in that in that way of like you know, death is one of the things where it's gonna come and like when you're dealing when you're living with life, like you're living life with people, like especially like in like partnerships and relationships and stuff, like there are people that are just constantly just gonna be pulling out those pieces until one day it's going to topple either somebody accidentally bumps the table or, you know, you just pull that one piece. It all mm-hmm. really depends.
2: Or you get angry and you table flipping. it. <laughs> or you get
0: angling, <laughs> that angry was, and you table flip it. I was it. Exactly. just thinking that. I was like, I'm not going to say it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It was, thank you, Laura. <laughs> yeah. and, and what a great reflection on, like, how we could li- choose to live our lives and the choices that we have in life. If there is a person who just takes and takes all those pieces, do we, you know, do we want them present and like in those ways? And do we want to give them opportunities to continue to take more pieces or do we have a choice to find people who maybe will help build us up?
2: You know, we just got real deep on the Jenga game. <laughs> I love it. Mm, uh, that's um, therapy. I, I, I thought of it as like a, I mean, I use that comparison for anxiety all the time because there is that anxiety of what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen, but is it going to be me? When is it going to happen? The unknown. And what is one of the things that causes the most anxiety for people? Death. <laughs> yes. Yes. Amazing. Absolutely, simple game, just some bricks. But are they really just some bricks?
1: <laughs> you put the meaning to them.
3: <laughs> now, was a therapist
0: <laughs> Okay, I'm going to take us into another video game example. Uh, this game called Spiritfarer by Thunder Lotus Games. It came out in 2020. Um, I played. The first couple of hours on um, Xbox Game Pass, which I don't have access to anymore, um, but loved it. It's so cute. Um, you play as Stella, um, who has become the new fairy master uh, uh, of the dead. The, um, she has replaced Karen. Mm-hmm. I think it's pronounced Karen. Um Uh, And you also have a little pet kitty who runs around with you, which I love. Um, But you are building your boat up, you add in gardens and sleeping spaces and a little kitchen and you collect friends who are dead and you are helping to prepare them to go through the uh, big circle gate into the unknown. Um, and you help them sort of process their lives and prepare them for whatever is next. And that is not you doing something to them, that is you helping them come to understand things and to feel fulfilled in their being ready uh, whatever that means to the individual um, one of my favorite things in the game is that there is a hugging mechanic and I love being able to hug the creatures it makes me feel so good it's so sweet um, it has uh, like uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, like farming mechanics and uh, collecting resources to to buy things or to make things, um, which you know, if you like games like Stardew Valley, um, it is very much in line with that. But it is focused on this idea of being ready to move on, um, and you as the player, as Stella, uh, learning to let go because it is your your choice to take them back to the gate for them to go through the gate. Like they say, okay, I'm ready. And you still have to choose to drive your little boat back to that part of the map and be all like, all right, I'm ready to let you go after I hug you like six more times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think it is it is a really beautiful game. Um, and I love that it, it really focuses on that aspect of, um, both the internal experience of preparing for your own death, but also uh, the experience of preparing to say goodbye to people you care about, Um, especially after you have invested a bunch of resources and time in game mechanic wise, but also (laughs) reflection on real life. You expend your limited lifetime building up a relationship with somebody Knowing that at some point either you have to say goodbye to them or they're going to have to say goodbye to you and processing that and coming to terms with it in a way that fills you uh and makes you feel like it's worth it to be alive and make connections with people. <laughs> um, that sounds pretty
2: magic right there.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's uh, pretty easy to get nihilistic about things um, and be like, wow, that sounds awful. Saying goodbye to people I deeply care about and have invested in. I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to make connections with people. Um. But uh, I don't think that's what life is about. I think life is about making those connections, even knowing that you will have to say goodbye at one point. I think and
2: sending them off in the best way possible. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I think about. I had a, a friend had to um, say goodbye to their pet yesterday, and thinking about the fact that they are i mean ultimately we do have to say there is a goodbye in every relationship eventually no matter how it comes but like with pets it's like you bring that that creature into your life and love it and then you know you're gonna outlive them unless something like unexpected happens to you and just knowing and nurturing that being i'm listeners can't uh can't see but i'm looking at my cat right now sleeping peacefully um but like you know someday you're gonna have to say goodbye and we pet owners keep doing it to themselves over and over and over again so there is something to the connection right
1: yeah i i can definitely speak from like you know when when you try to get more nihilistic with it about not forming relationships or not forming those sorts of connections i mean yeah in the grand scheme of things objectively okay maybe they are insignificant however to you as a person like in your feelings and your emotions like those are meaningful and so even though yeah our time around is finite and you know there's that's that time when you will have to say bye like there's no like if, if those connections obviously bring meaning and they elicit you know all these other feel-good emotions and everything, then, like, I'd say that they are one of the things that do give life meaning. And, um, Laura, as you were looking at your cat, I proceeded to look at mine, who's been bugging me nonstop, and now he's sleeping <laughs> on the floor. So I, They're I, both I'm...
3: sleeping. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh,
3: to speak to the that nihilism piece, uh, so when I was in college... Uh, I had a heart surgery at 19 and, um, well, two open hearts. and It was quite a bit, and I don't think I ever even considered uh, thinking in that way. I don't know why, at least at that age. Um, and I actually designed a self-study because I needed credits while having surgery. Of course, why would I not continue college? Um, <laughs> While you're going
2: through these major things, yeah, little mm-hmm. thing, don't worry. <laughs> um,
3: and the course was called "Death as a Motivator for Life," um, and it was just—I loved writing that paper, and it brought a lot of hope. And and these games uh, remind me of that. Like there's bright colors and, and sometimes softer colors, but. There's hugging. There's like cats. i um, cats for me represent just everything amazing and love, even when they're
0: little monsters. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so it just it it really works into all that death positivity uh, through games and through being able to
0: to interact
3: when we, we choose to do so.
0: Now I didn't um like I said I did not play through to the end of Spirit Fairer but what I have read is that near the end it is revealed that Stella the character her life job was is was a hospice nurse and so really reflecting like the real life experiences of people who help others prepare to die and the process of that I think that that's um really cool Uh, i don't know how it actually shapes shakes out in the in the game and if it i i assume it's handled well it's a beautiful game they clearly deeply cared about every little aspect about it so i'm sure it's great but i think it's really fun way to uh, sort of draw that line for people who aren't in death industry don't regularly think about this stuff is like yes this is a, a mystical magical fun colorful game, but like real people do have this job of, of spending time and effort just trying to help people feel comfortable and feel ready to move on and, and let go and say goodbye. Um, even when people in their life aren't. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think that's really important. Um,
3: I wish I could speak more to the ending too, but I can't.
2: Yeah, it's a game that's on my list of games to play, and Mm -hmm. there's too many games.
1: (laughs) It's a game I just added to my list.
3: Nice. Yes. Mine has a moose. Stella is a moose. Is that because it's on the Switch?
0: Um, the or an old one. The, I think that's I can't remember the character's name, but that's the first um companion that you get on your on your boat. Oh. Is the the deer oh. lady. Um who I can't remember exactly what it is, but it, it is revealed in game that they knew each other in life and so it's like they have yeah. like that that's the first like you collect Four or five other characters onto your boat before the deer character is ready to depart. Um, but it is very important that it's like it is established that like Stella knows her personally; they they have a connection already even past like the connection that you build on the boat in that moment and it's um it's very meaningful to let that that's the first person that you let go and that's like it's a hard one because it's like wait no i i know you i care about you i like you know me like there's also that big aspect is like i'm losing a person who sees me um and that can that can be really hard to cope with in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think yeah. having having a game be all like, we're going to let you play that out is so important. Yes,
3: I agree. Uh, it, because. One person experiencing different deaths, they all look different and even our grieving can look different and the way we say goodbye. And I love how that gets to be played out in this game. I know before, like while I was beginning to train uh, as a death doula, volunteering in hospice, all of those things, uh, I hadn't had a family member um, who I had lived with and really close to me pass away yet. And right in the middle of all of that, I did. And it, it kind of really changes how you look at everything. Just the,
0: the different experiences and what what people actually go through yeah wow that um actually brings something up for me uh in late 2019 I had um a friend die who um was one of my oldest friends we had become friends in high school um and It was really hard because I was very close with her and I'm still very close with her parents. Um, They've basically adopted me. Those are my, they're they're my parents, um, as I like to say. Uh, And it was very difficult to deal with that grief, Um, but it wasn't. It wasn't like the stereotypical, like sobbing, crying grief that you often see in TV and movies and stuff. Um, it was very much a just sort of waves of like, oh, I can't send her a link to this stupid TikTok I just watched or whatever. Uh, a couple of months later, <laughs> I was living with a friend and his family at that time and um, his, his mom <laughs> uh, fostered kittens um often often she is a re- she is a repeat <laughs> foster failure. Uh <laughs> And so one of one of the kittens that she had fostered had become one of the house cats that lived there. His name was Hamish and um he was killed by a coyote right around his 1 year mark and um that hit me way more in the the sobbing crying over-the-top grief kind of way and part of it was it was just i was very sad about this extremely sweet perfect precious little boy um dying in in a violent way um but it was absolutely also a release valve for processing hannah's death as well in a way that it's like they were close enough together that i was like here's the grief whirlpool i'm in it um
2: I was gonna say, yeah. he pulled on this thread. His the grief about Hamish pulled on this thread that's connected, and <laughs> it, it all gets connected. And grief builds on different things in different ways. Absolutely.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so those were those were both, uh, you know, not not the first deaths that I had experienced in my life, but definitely the closest to me. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it was. It was very interesting to process both of those and getting to see the way that, you know, I felt about them, how I still feel about it. You know, every so often scroll through my old pictures or Snapchats like, look, front here's pictures from three years ago. And, you know, it's Hamish or it's Hannah's cats. Um, and, uh, you know, still missing them regularly, frequently. Uh, There's still I'm I'm. I'm mad that Hannah did not live to see our flag means death because she oh. would have been just as obsessed as it was, as I am. Um but I definitely I have played. Maybe wherever Hannah is, it's replaying over and over and over, <laughs> and, over
2: and over again. She
0: just gets to play all the all the good games. Oh, they've already the got shows. season two. I know. Oh, yeah, she's, she's already watched it. Man, oh, Yeah. Okay. Um but yeah, I think that there have definitely been moments in in games and TV shows where I've I've gotten to be like, wow, that right there is an exact representation of how I have felt in my grief and how it felt to say goodbye and how it felt to have to reimagine the way that my life looks and is going to look moving forward with this absence. Um, yeah. And, the, and games and media
3: can give us like almost permission to be more vulnerable and like express that because maybe we're just playing it by ourselves in a room and nobody else has to see but we get to process that in our own way and let it come out
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've talked several times on this podcast about how I've processed grief through games and movies and um, we we're talking about like you were talking about how it ripped, like the game, whatever's going on, kind of resonates with you. It came back to the God of War episode we did where um, it gave me an insight into my dad's experience ha- now having a, a kid who is feeling kind of lost in the loss of a mother. Um, and... I mean obviously my dad is not Kratos. He's a very <laughs> he's a very gentle loving guy. Link has had dinner with him. Can, can attest. He's very sweet. He's a sweet fella. Um, but kind of seeing the insight into having to deal with your own grief and manage your child's grief in the same at the same time. It's something that I knew about but didn't really see until I played that game.
0: God of War is one of my favorite examples to point to because in the the original two thousand five PS two God of War, um, the opening cutscene is like Kratos's wife and kid are dead, and you're you're Kratos, and you're so mad about it that you're gonna kill God, everybody. Um, yeah. and it's like <laughs> that's that's it, and then in the um, twenty eighteen God of War remake, they have an opening scene where you are preparing uh, Kratos's wife, her pyre, her body. You are doing a like she. This was her like her wish for when she died, as she wanted this to happen, and you are doing that. And then throughout the whole game, like regularly, Kratos and Atreus are, <laughs> so I was like, Play. oh God, is that right? <laughs> Atreus are um, discussing this loss and you get to see them be melancholic about it. You get to see them be angry about it. You get to see like the ways that when Atreus expresses a certain feeling, Kratos has to like, he, he has an emotional response based on his own experiences, but he has to like sort of pull back and be like, whoa, I can't put that on, on this kid Like he's dealing with it in his way and I'm dealing it within in my way and he does it sort of gruffly, but he does express that to Atreus like, look, you lost somebody. I also lost her like and my loss isn't is not identical to yours and the way that we're feeling it is shared, but not identical. And I think that that was, like, such a beautiful way to engage in this game where you're, like, yeah, you're playing as Kratos and you're, like, whipping dudes around and slashing and, and fighting and there's a big snake-dragon guy. And, like, also, like, what is it like to lose a mom? What is it like there to lose a, a wife that you have, like, willingly given up godhood for to have that time with her? It's like, <gasps> the sec- the, second, the, second is so <laughs> the second wife. This is so deep. The second wife. This is his second family, like oh and
2: i cried sobbing cries several times throughout that game just because there were beautiful real moments between the two of them yeah
0: yeah that's right leia (laughs) (laughs) appearance (laughs) by the cat
1: (laughs) you know i think one of the first games that i can really think about that like really got me to like think about the concept and like started getting becoming really okay and coming to terms with this idea of death um, was actually Dante's Inferno, which I know is like, it's, it's like an old older game. And I remember my friend let me borrow because like I was really into that sort of stuff. And like the whole Dante's Inferno, or, you know, or the Dante, or, you, you get what I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> the fact that like throughout the whole game, like it's, dante going through trying to basically get his wife back because he can't accept the fact that she's dead and then throughout the whole game like you have the option of either absorbing souls or you can absolve them so you can choose to like say okay no like you're you don't deserve to be in hell like let's absolve you and like give you this chance to enter purgatory or paradise And then towards the end of the game, you, you know, you get the, you learn that like, no, you're already dead Dante, like, but he still decides to fight for this and then come to terms with his own death and work towards redeeming himself and entering eventually purgatory at the end of the game. But like, that was my idea. That was like the first introduction for me of like, so like, Death is one of those things like it's going to come and it's just going to happen. And you can choose to spend this entire time trying to deny it or trying to run from it or trying to cheat it. But it, it does not matter because at the end of the day, like it's still coming. It's still going to happen. And at some point, you just have to learn to accept that. And once you can accept that, that's when you can start finding that sense of peace. Because otherwise, you're kind of always stuck in that torment or or that fear or anxiety or, or you know, whatever else is kind of whatever else death sort of brings up for you. So really old, very violent video game. But it taught me the beginnings of how to accept death as just a natural way of the world.
0: Yes, it's good stuff. All right, let's uh, let's touch on another TTRPG.
3: Yeah, let's see, which one do we want to go with? So, uh, Our Haunt is uh, an RPG that was uh, uh, created by Ray Najati, published in 2019,
0: yay. So it's a
3: tabletop RPG about a family of ghosts built on the belonging outside of the belonging system. I don't know. I'm sure all of you are familiar with B.O.B. Uh, <laughs> um, basically, though, that means that it's rules, light. Uh, there, There are no dice and there are no masters. So it really focuses on narrative and like all of the players telling their stories together and and having that agency, which I think was a a really cool thing to do in a game that has this theme around death, Uh, because with death, oftentimes, you know, we don't have a lot of agency, if any. We don't get to choose when we get sick um, or if something tragic happens, Uh, but um, there are other choices along the way. so then you get to create your own narrative. Um, so the way this starts, you all get characters. My favorite character is the cat. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so there's other characters like the doll and the betrayed and the faceless. Like, they're all really like cool and different aspects of, like, like they just add different dimensions to the game. But I really did appreciate that they also put an animal in there because um, I guess for me, my animals are my children and, mm-hmm. and they're like very dear and important and uh, little living souls as well. So uh, in the game, back to the game, uh, each character, can't say people, <laughs> um, have fragmented memories of like the life that they once lived, but they don't really remember um, fully what's happened like what happened to them um, or what happened in their lifetime. And uh, the, char- the players actually get to decide throughout if- how much they get to discover and what they get to discover, which I like as well. Uh, the other really cool thing is that each player plays a character. And then each player plays a room. So that kind of gives some balance to to not having a GM because um, maybe one of the characters is more centered in one of the rooms and a character that's not more in the center, not more focused on at that time, can be playing the room and playing NPCs and uh, adding to the narrative in a very different way. So it gives you it gives you the opportunity to experience, uh, like both being the person or the animal who died uh, and uh, influencing that, that soul or however you want to put it. Uh,
0: yeah. Really, I, I love games that are basically just cooperative storytelling. Um, which is TTRPGs in general, but um, I, I think that it, it is very reflective of real life experiences, where after somebody dies, you and and the people who knew that person, like you, get to pull pieces of stories together and to create an. You know, not all inclusive of a person's life because you can't you can't know everything about a person. It's too much. You yeah. can't know everything about where they existed and how they interacted with their spaces, um, but you get pieces, and you get to see other people who knew them, and you get their pieces, and you get to hold those pieces together and decide how you want to shape them into a way to memorialize that person. Um, obviously in real life when that is happening, um, it is heavier. And um, sometimes you find out pieces that you kind of wish you didn't know um, or pieces that just don't resonate with you. But when you're playing this game, you're doing it cooperatively, the point is to have that enjoyment and and find that meaning in each other's stories and bouncing off of each other in like, well, what about this? And what do you think about this? And having, an expansive moment of better understanding this character that you made up like 15 minutes ago or whatever. I think that that is very cool.
2: Yeah, this game is, I remember watching a live stream that Mary was in. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: and a plug for cast gamers, C-A-S-T-T underscore gamers at Twitch.
3: Woo, is our live.
2: Yeah, yeah, because the game is, it's a queer game, uh, and focuses on, like, queer experiences, even though it's a very death-centric game, and, I mean, you could play it without focusing on the queer piece, uh, but it's probably gonna be inherently queer in that sense, but, um... The different playbooks, some of them, the idea is, like, are you going to be able to play to find out if you figure out how you died uh, or how you knew somebody in in your previous life and things like that. Um, and I like the pieces about building on other people's stories and, like, getting the bits and pieces. Um, I can't remember where I heard about this game. It was probably some panel somewhere at a convention i don't know what one or a live stream i watched but somebody talked about a game about death where everybody is in the playing the game is at a funeral and you're all telling pieces about this person um and one of the things that you have to tell is something negative about the person um because when people die and we go to their funerals, their memorial services, their celebrations of life, we only look at the positive pieces of them. And I think it's a way, the game was a way for people who have complicated grief to be able to process, like, it's okay to also think these negative things about people. And it's just cool when people are building together this story and, like, talking and building up who this person was in their in their story. Um... And it doesn't all have to be the good stuff. So. I can't remember the name of the game either.
3: It's sad. Uh, in this game, I think it has questions. I should have looked at, at the um, game before this. But I think it has questions where you get to decide, like, the tone and... Mm-hmm. Um, all of those types of safety mechanics that are specific, especially to death situation, games about death. Uh, so it, you can make it like a funny and a humorous game if you want, if all the players are comfortable with it, you can make it sad. Uh, like maybe you're in a position where like sadness is all around you and that's, you want to play that out. Um, or you can make it really scary and terrifying and be like a, a scary doll type of player, um, which which all of them give really interesting and valid ways to process through in each person's own individual way.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think you're right, most of the belonging outside, belonging games yeah. that have some kind of safety mechanic around that, especially like horror games, um, which it, I think it's described as a horror game. But yeah, you could totally yeah. make it goofy. And even most of the games that I know that I play with cast gamers, even if it's a serious game, there are some intense moments of laughter um, yeah.
0: by nature because it's friends
2: playing together.
0: <laughs> so... I think that's yeah. one of the benefits. Is like you, like playing these kinds of games, these kinds of TTRPGs, is that ideally you are playing with people that you trust and have a connection with, um, and so you feel safe enough to explore darker, heavier stuff, um, and still have those you know re- relief moments of laughing at something silly and um, you know creating inside jokes around gameplay and stuff like that. Um, I think that that's. That makes the experience more meaningful and gives it an opportunity to be even more impactful on your own internalized thinking belief attitudes towards death and dying mm-hmm. um okay uh we are approaching our hour mark which is usually when we wrap up yeah. And tags. What's
3: your favorite game link? We oh, need to God. talk about
0: that one. The, the, the <laughs> other two video games that I wanted to touch on uh, are That Dragon Cancer, um, which uh, came out in uh, 2016. Um, and it is uh, a game made by two parents whose son got diagnosed with terminal cancer, and it um, like A Mortician's Tale, it is very soft uh, graphics. Everything is sort of derealized in a way that makes it not so overwhelming. Um, and it's sort of fantasticalized because it's necessary <laughs> because the content is very heavy. Um, but it is it is a great game. Um, it, is, it is hard to play it uh, because it is sad. But it is a very good game and I think it's a great example of making a game as a grief process like mom and dad worked on this game together like uh, the dad did a lot of the programming stuff and design work the mom did a lot of the writing but it was literally part of their process of grieving and incorporating their other children into the story and it was part of their grief process and um, and then sharing that with the world, which, like, wow, thank you. Like, that was not necessary, but uh, deeply appreciated. Um, and then my my favorite game, uh, maybe of all time, <laughs> um, but definitely <laughs> of games about death and dying, uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, which is fantastic. It is a series of vignettes about the Finch family. You play each one, um, each family member and it it is the moments leading up to their death and some of them are uh, very fantastical and some of them are short and sweet Um, but it is really really good I highly recommend if you get an opportunity to play this game you absolutely should Um, it really makes you think about how death and dying grief can really feel very individual when you are experiencing it but it's literally his it's history it is every person's history is that the people who came before them died and we only get a little bit amount of time to exist and to make connections with people and to try and understand that (laughs) and how we teach our children about it and how our children internalize those lessons and how they pass it on to their children. Um, I it's, just, oh, it's such a good game. Um, highly recommend it. I know, Mary, you just played through it recently. Uh, if you wanted to jump in,
3: yeah, yeah, I did just play it recently and loved it. I like that. You know, it's not a game that takes uh, like hundreds of hours to play through. It's you can.
0: It's about three yeah, hours a, long, three and a half. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Um, But has so much packed into those three hours. Uh, I think one of the things that stood out for me the most was seeing everybody's, all the people that have died, like their stuff in their room's still there. That's like such a real part of the grief process. Uh, And like after you lose a loved one, uh, my parents lost my brother uh, when he was 22 months old, and my mom was seven months pregnant at the time with my sister. And they didn't have a lot of money, but they got all new stuff for my sister because they couldn't give Daniel stuff to a new baby. It was like going home and, and seeing all of that stuff. And when I played this game, that's kind of what it brought me to. And it was like heartbreaking, and I cried. And um, I also really appreciated it though, because it was so real. And uh, I think to play it, I, I would have to be in the right mindset again. Um, but I totally agree, Link, that it, it's such a good game.
0: Mmm. Okay, let's, uh, we have a few, uh, I guess, uh, two, two more TTRPGs we wanted to touch on. There's, um, Epitaph and the Reaper's Almanac.
3: Yeah, and these two aren't ones that I can speak a lot to, actually, so...
0: Basically, <laughs> basically, uh, Epitaph is um, uh, a game where you are, like the, a couple of the other ones that we've touched on, you are telling the story of a person, like the life story of somebody who is already dead, um, and you are doing that cooperatively with other people, so you are coming together to create a life story for somebody um, already knowing, like, they're already dead. <laughs> we know how the story ends. Or We know that the story ends, and we are going to create it together. Uh, Reaper's Almanac is um, like a letter-writing TTRPG, Um, and you are playing as a a Grim Reaper, and you are telling the story of um, people who have died, and uh, the idea being that as you exchange these letters, you come to understand death and your connection to these people um, over time and I, I think it's it, you know it's just another way to, to take turns telling stories um, to try and you know sort of process what it is to be a, a mortal being because man it's weird isn't it <laughs> for us, we can agree on that for sure <laughs> for sure um, alright uh, Laura and Mark are there any other deaths games that you guys want to touch on before we wrap up literally i just finished playing return of the
2: Oberdin*. um yes! i love i love that game uh y- the premise of the game is you're an inspector com- with a like a they don't really explain a whole lot but you're an inspector with like this magic pocket watch that lets you go back to the moment of some the, someone's death and you can examine it from like it's a still shot, but you go around, and you can move around all the pieces and look at things from different angles. And a ship went off into the sea. 60 people were on the ship, and nobody was on it when it returned. Um, so you have to figure out what happened. Most of those people died. Um, and you have to figure out how they died, what, what, who killed them. Uh, it is masterfully done. Really low graphics, um, it's like an old Macintosh graphics from like the 80s, it's, um, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I liked the way that you could figure out people's relationships through who they were near when they died, um, those connections. Um, there are people who were married on the ship and you figure that out through different details. I was obsessed for the last few weeks. A client suggested the game to me and
0: they always give me choice games. Um, I played that game love it. in <laughs> like January of 2021. I spent like, I don't know, three or four days playing through the whole thing, loved it. It, it It's basically a logic puzzle. You, you get bits of information and you use that to like, okay, it can't be person A, B, C, um, but it could be person E or F. Um and, mm-hmm. and you know figuring out who killed who and it's like well that person does that person have a tattoo yeah or like what was
2: another one who has a wedding ring um there's a like yeah there's lots of little bits I don't want to throw out like a bunch of the secrets but there's some good things that like oh like what are they wearing
0: what kind yeah mm. I think I think it's I mean it's really engaging game to play but i I think it is also um a a fun uh, a way to engage with the idea of people who are doing the after somebody dies work figuring out you Mm -hmm. know like what happened um you know we talked about Mortician's Tale that that covers sort of similar stuff, but um, I think I think this it's is like the crime scene the investigator, cr- <laughs> <Yes>. but like
2: <laughs> 1800s
0: edition. It's got it's got some magic, uh, some fantasy, but it is also like you know somebody trying to piece together like what happened. We can't ask the person; they're dead, so we're gonna try and was figure that it out. person shot or were they stabbed by some sea monster? <laughs> I don't
2: know. I have to look at different scenes and see what actually did the person in. Beautifully done.
0: <laughs> yeah. Great game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mark, you got yeah. you got anything?
1: I mean, nothing in the sense of like the idea of like the grieving process or like or like coming to terms with those things. But I mean, the one game that just kind of blatantly just screams at me is uh, Destiny with the idea that like to start it off like like some of the opening lines is you've been dead for a really long time and then it deals with the idea of coming back or in this case you can even consider it more of like the afterlife where like now you have these choices but as the game has gone on now and like now with like the newest expansion it's dealing with this idea of remembering who you were Remembering what your life was prior to your death and what that necessarily means, and giving it the, back
2: into destiny now, Mark. Yeah, You've sold it, me on it.
1: It's, <laughs> it. And they play it on the idea of the light and the darkness. The darkness is what helps you remember, but again, it's the darkness, and, and nobody knows what that is because it's, it's the dark. And they just kind of always just kind of assumed that that was a bad thing because the, the traveler is the light, and that's what brings that that's what uh, like released the ghosts and allowed the guardians to be revived and things like that however upon revival you have no idea who you were you have no idea what your life was like but going through the darkness you start gaining those bits and pieces or you start learning the bits and pieces of other like other guardians or in the witch queen, you learn about Savathun who like in her life. But I mean, like you also kind of get a feeling of what that was like because of, you know, destiny one and, and things like that going on. But it's one of those things where like, you're dealing with the concept of a quote unquote afterlife. And then what does that entail? Like, do you remember who you are? Or like, is it something that like you should just kind of shy away from? Hey, you're, this is your life now go ahead and live it um, go run and gun and just you know fight off alien species or try to get to the deeper understanding and, and find out what this balance is between remembering what your life was like before knowing full well at least in, in that universe that they're you know like the people that you knew back then are long dead or for all you know some of those people that you knew maybe they came back as guardians and now they're somewhere out in, in the, the, the system, you know, doing God knows what. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those interesting things to kind of think about. And it's one of those, it, it's another one of those games where you kind of stop and think about like that, that aspect of like what goes on after you're, you're dead. So
2: delicious. yeah, I, I love it. One game I forgot to mention. Um, tiny tina's wonderlands is based off of the dlc in borderlands 2 uh can't remember exactly the name of the dlc but basically tiny tina is processing the death of her friend through a D game even though it's bunkers and badasses um and i think Jose and i have mentioned it before that it is the most geek therapy thing ever um the fact that she is going through this grieving process and people try to remind her like no no he's gone and she's like no what were you talking about he's right here in the game he's gonna do this thing um and i just it's a beautiful thing i still need to play through tiny Tina's wonderlands um i have done very little of that gameplay but very fun and i think it's another important aspect of like watching how someone processes it in a way that is like it's a child like she's a child <laughs> you know uh, a child that makes bombs and talks about badonkadonks <laughs> but um the way children process are so di- is so different um than how we do as adults so i thought it, i thought it was really that's cool that's a
0: great example because kids process things through play and it's something Mm -hmm. that we tend to think of is that is just for children but that is not true friends family you can play to better understand yourself and process shit and deal with things Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: go watch some cast gamers and
0: you'll see a bunch (laughs) of us process a lot of shit hell yeah (laughs) all right Mary do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up uh
3: I am so glad that Lara mentioned Borderlands. That's like my kind of all-time favorite set of games. And I just wanted to add that one of the characters is Graveborn, a Graveborn. And uh, for me, that represents like, because I've thought so much about my own death, like using that as like an actual power and strength. And I just love it. Mm -hmm. I
0: love love that too. Mm -hmm. thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a great conversation. Um,
2: Absolutely.
0: uh, I might say even even better here than it would have been at Tags. I don't know, but I'm going to say it now. (laughs) Um, It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, You can find more content at geektherapy.org. Uh, We got forums, we got Discord, we got Facebook, we got Twitter. Find us. um, Links are in the show notes. Remember to geek out and do good, and we will be back next week.
1: Bye. Geek Therapy is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to making the world a better place through geek culture. To learn more about our mission and become a supporter, visit geektherapy.org.